0: You're listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission.
1: We are gonna do our scripture reading portion of the service And from time to time, we don't just read a portion of Scripture, one portion of Scripture from the stage, but we invite you, the congregation, to come up and share a passage of Scripture that God has used in your life recently. There's nothing like just hearing verse after verse after verse. And this can be one verse for you. Maybe it's two or three, maybe at the most. But if you, at this time, could could open up your Bible, really the, the mic is open and available, I would love for some of you to come up and just read God's word to us as a congregation. There is nothing like hearing the life-giving, living, breathing word of God. It is ultimate truth. It has been preserved for us by God. And as we are worshiping Christ, we are drawn to his word. When we're walking with him, we we are listening to him speak to us through his word. And to work through Christ and to serve Christ, we have to be founded back to the Word of God. So anyone if, if anyone out there would like to share a word of Scripture with us, I would love for you to come up now and we will, we will begin right here with Rebecca. Daniel,
0: um, Then Daniel, bless the God of heaven. Um, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. This verse has been tied to my heart for a few months now, but um, it's about just true faith. Like, not... The faith that we feel every once in a while on Sunday mornings and, you know, whatever day of the week we have life group. But just true surrender and belief that God has us. Um, From Mark 11, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours.
2: Um, it's Psalm 25, 4 through 7. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me. For your God, for you are God of the salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have not been found from of old. Remember not of the sin of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord.
3: Thanks. All right, this is Hebrews. Hebrews 9, 24 through the end of the chapter. It says, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He didn't do this to offer himself many times as a high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another. Uh, otherwise, he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world, but now he has appeared one time at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. Mm. And Just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who.
4: In the world the way it is today a lot of us kind of deal with anxiety and it's something i've dealt with my whole life so for me philippians 4 6 and 7 are like my mantra i'm going to start with verse 4 though rejoice in the lord always i will say it again rejoice let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus particularly our minds is where we need that reminder because satan is so easy to take over our thoughts finally brothers whatever is true whatever is noble whatever is right whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is admirable if anything is excellent or praiseworthy think about such things whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or even seen in me, put into practice and God of peace will be with you.
3: Um, um For me, this like recently, I honestly have just kind of started like my scripture reading, like I was dead for like, like all through COVID I was really dead like reading scripture and praying, uh, shared it with my life group. Uh, it was just a real rough time, but recently guys, this. Spoken to me and just got me back into the word Amen. and I've been going through Galatians uh, and uh, So starting with Galatians 17, if I can figure out how to use my phone <laughs> <laughs> uh, So but if in If in our, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we are too We too were found to be sinners. Is Christ in a servant of sin? Certainly not For if I rebuild what I tore down I prove myself to be a transgressor, for through the law I died to the law, so that I, that I might live to God. If I have been crucified if, with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh, I have lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for
4: me. Amen. Amen. So many excellent words of the Lord. Um, this has been one of my favorites for a long time and in pretty much any situation that any of us finds ourselves uh, our, in. Um, in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to us so that in all things at all times, having all that we need will abound in every good work. I think that kind of takes care of it. In all situations, at all times, Hmm. the Lord is with us. And this one is also one of my favorites in Hebrews uh, 4.16. Let us come boldly, with confidence, to the throne of grace, that we might receive grace and find mercy to help us in our time of need. Hi, I I thought this one uh Really hit on what I don't know your name yet, but what Caleb, what you talked about earlier before the song. And um, Romans chapter 7, verse 18 through 23, says, For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For my inner being, I delight in God's love.
1: Thanks. It's it's kind of interesting. This verse was in my devotional this morning and in in that it said that, uh, and a lot of people know me know that I will work and do everything pretty much until I've worn myself to exhaustion. But, you know, the devotional this morning said, you know, sometimes you need to take off the Superman cape and, and lay it down. Um, and the verse that they had with that was Matthew
3: eleven twenty eight and 29. Come to me, all who are labor and all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and lean th- and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, for you will find
1: rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light.
2: When I was little, my grandfather uh, passed away, and my sister and I, um, he had a Bible, um, and my sister let me have his Bible, which was huge, and he had written all in it, Um, and I was inspired at that point that I wish my sister had been able to have a Bible, too, and so um, at a very young age, I started writing up Bibles so that if I were to ever have children, uh, that they would each get a Bible from me Um, that's covered in scripture that means a lot. So this Bible is one I've been working in this week, and it's actually one that I, I began before I even got married. So it's Amy Bagwell.
1: In it, so. <laughs>
2: it was a while ago. But I find it interesting when you do things like this and you flip back into the Word of God that, you know, even a uh, what 12-year younger version of me um, put a note in here that could um, point me mm-hmm. to a verse that would, that would heal my heart this week. So Hebrews 10, 32 through 36. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a contest in the face of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Amen.
1: I've got uh, 2 Corinthians 8
3: 9. Uh, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though He was rich. For your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich.
0: I have three, so please be patient. (laughs) (laughs) Psalms chapter 139, verse 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on your wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even if even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. In Psalms 34, verse 17 through 18, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalms 46, chapter 1. God is our refuge, excuse me, verse one. God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. These are my go-to when I feel like I have to give up or I can no longer continue my daily journey. So I I wrote these down and I carry them with me every day. I open them, these are my verses that let me know
1: never give up, that He is there. Thank you. Thank you. you. Yes, we have one more. You good? Here you go. Um,
0: John 16. For God so loved the world that he gave
1: his one and only Son, so who forever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to close this with 2 Corinthians four eighteen. For while we look not at the things which are unseen, but look at the things which are seen. For the things that are unseen are temporal; things that are not seen are eternal. But it is very good to be back. Uh, thank you so much for Brother Ben over here stepping in at the last minute yesterday, or last week, and preaching from Hebrews chapter 3. That was a great encouraging message on encouraging one another, challenging message. And to see that applied practically right there last week was amazing as I was, I was watching from my bed curled up in a ball. I, I, I can see that. And it was great to see, and then to see it again in life groups throughout the week. It was fabulous. And for all of you who can remember back to two weeks ago, if you can remember that far back, last time I preached, I was in the midst of a two-part sermon, all right? We, we preached part one, and if you, if you are here this week, you're like, oh, great, here comes part two of this sermon that I have heard. It's all right. We're going to actually do part two next week, okay? So you still have time to go back and catch that message if you would like. Next Sunday is going to be that. But this in this series, Rend the Heavens, we have been going through the lifeblood of our church, who we are, why we do what we do. And as, as a member of Doxa Church, I said earlier, we glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And the simple answer to how we do that is what this series has been all about. First of all, it's worshiping Christ. Secondly, it's walking in Christ. And then thirdly, working through Christ. So as I left off last time, we were right in the middle of that walking in Christ piece. And we had a whole sermon on one of two of the darkest chapters in all of Scripture, Psalm 88. It doesn't get any more dark than that chapter. It's heavy. It's weighty. It ends with darkness. It doesn't even end with any hope. And what we saw from that was at times in your walk with Christ, you're going to go through pain. You're going to go through suffering that you cannot explain. And that's a part of Christianity that doesn't get a whole lot of publicity, but it's real, and it's a very present thing in, in many of our lives. So we looked at that. There's no better place to learn about the grace of God than through dark times. There's no better way to become great than walking in Christ in the dark times. Now, I promised there, in that message, the flip side, part two, was gonna be completely the opposite. It's it's the joy and the overwhelming presence of God and to know the love of God in your inner being that's also a, a promise for walking in Christ. That's the part, part two, that's coming next week. And I'm spending all the time letting you know kind of this housekeeping on where we're at because even that part both of these both of these you have to expect you have to be ready for both of these are important both the dark the dark hard walk and the overwhelming joy and the peace both of these are real in walking with Christ but both of these actually especially the second part that we're going to see next week the joy part the peace part the victory part that does not happen fully until you get the message that we have this morning, the part that we're going to talk about today, which is the third part, working through Christ. So take your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Part of that joy in that peace will never click into place until you get the working through Christ it's nothing is ever going to fit right, and even your entire walk will collapse if you don't have this one. So we're going to turn our attention to what God has for us today, and we're going to look at this third piece of glorifying God with your life, working through Christ. And I know this may not sound flashy to everyone here. You're like, oh, great, here we go again. Work. Work. Work, work, work is all I do is work and I don't want to think about work on Sunday when I'm at church. That's the last thing I want to talk about, David. I'm all in on the love. I'm really in on feeling good and having peace and having joy. That sounds great. But this is the part of religion that I bristle with, the work part, doing good works for God. I'm terrible at it and I just can't seem to do it right, so why does this have to be such a big deal? A lot of people get on that track, and they get off. Now, first of all, if you feel that way this morning, I understand how you feel. I have been in your shoes before. I have had uh, plenty of jobs in my life that are just brutal, nasty work that are no fun, and you cannot wait to punch out at the end of the day, I still remember having a punch card at one of those jobs that I had back when I was in high school, and you know they probably don't have that anymore. But it's like you can't wait just to punch out and get out of that toxic work environment, right? Who's with me? You've been there before, yeah. You know, you know how it is. Um, the drudgery, it's a grind. Work shouldn't be a dirty word, though. That's actually that's actually a bad way to think about work, and I know in a room this size, a lot of us feel that. Um, You see what you're doing in your job, and you're surrounded by these people who hate being there, and in those environments, you really just question, what is my value to society here? What am I really contributing? Is this even worth it all? And a lot of times, we also have, at the same time, our culture that just gives this idea that work is all about making as much money as you can, as fast as you can get it. You work hard so you can go play hard. So it doesn't matter that it's a life-sucking job and it's taking 80 hours a week from you. If you're going to make a lot of money, you can retire at age 36, and then you'll be happy. right? That's what we tell young men. Then we tell young women, like, oh, no, don't worry about getting a relationship. Just go get an amazing career. That will make you happy. We say this to everyone, this is the wrong message about work. Work is something that God has actually established before the fall. If you go back to Genesis and look at the very, very beginning, God created work for Adam and Eve to do, and he said that they were good. It was good to do this, and this was pre-fall, all right? So work is a way that we can bring glory to God. We can show his truth, we can show his attributes, By doing good, honest work. So, we can't let culture skew our view of work, and we have to understand that it is actually a great thing. Now, you can still work hard and play hard, but you just do it from a different foundation, right? You do it in and through God's strength for God, and you enjoy life while you do it. So, that's very important. That's not necessarily the sermon today. That's just total free information to set this up. But God wants you to work hard. He wants you to have fun while you do it. He wants you to serve. And here's why this working through Christ is the third leg of the stool. And This is why it's so vital. Without working through Christ, I already said, everything else falls apart. So what do I mean by that? Well, let's just think about a stool for a second, a three-legged stool, because this really, it really is the perfect picture for this. There's a lot of security and balance if you have a three-legged stool, right? You sit on it, the weight is distributed evenly through the three pressure points, no problem. But what happens if you have one of those stools and one of the legs is really wobbly, right? You know, you've been at grandma's house and your uncle was way too hard on that stool years and years ago, and it's, it's really, is this thing going to hold me, hold me here? I don't know. And, and if you have a two-legged stool, you're, you're doing a balancing act, and it's only a matter of time before you fall. If there's one of those legs that's really weak and shaky, the whole stool is going to collapse at some point. And there's a lot of people who understand the worshiping Christ part. Amen. We got that. We love Jesus. We worship him. I'm, I'm here for that. All right. A lot more people, once you do that, all right, like I'm walking in Christ, I'm in the word, I'm, I'm praying, I'm doing all these things. But if you don't have this third piece, the entire Christian life and the walk, your walk in Christ will collapse because you're taking in, you're taking in, you're worshiping Jesus, but you're not doing all those things we sang about today. You're not taking it to the world around you. You're not investing in the lives of those who are in your own church and in your family and in your community. And if you take in, take in, and you never give back and use the spiritual gifts God has given you, it will all fall apart. You will eventually plateau. You'll grow stale and stagnant, and you won't plateau forever. Unless you correct that, you will have a drop. There will be a canyon there where you will fall apart. So this is why working through Christ, this piece is indispensable, and many people wonder why their faith is flat, why I feel stuck, it's dry, and and, and then you see something else over here, ooh, that looks more enticing. Without fail, you can mark it down as what's going on in that case is they are missing one of these three elements. And many times, it's they've been so busy with everything else, maybe the culture of their church, maybe, maybe their lifestyle is so busy, that they've actually shirked their responsibility in this last area of working through Christ. So this piece is vital. And I'm going to put up a, just a, a phrase here for you. Working through Christ is an outflow of our relationship with God and an expression of our worship and our walk. Say that one more time. Working through Christ is an outflow of our relationship with God, and it's an expression of our worship and walk. Yes, love is the foundation. Of course it is. We'll see that again as we go on here. But even the best worship and walking, if it's just those two alone, will definitely not keep you and hold you forever. So worshiping walking, those are two of the three pieces, without serving and using your spiritual gifts. It is impossible to sustain the healthy pattern of growth. So this is huge because of all of that and because what we're going to see today in this passage, this is the piece that unlocks some of the greatest blessings and joys that you will ever find. Like I told you, that whole overwhelming sense of peace and joy and you have the love of Jesus Christ in your inner being, you're never going to unlock that part if you're not invested in using the spiritual gifts that God has given you. So with all that said, please look at me, uh, look look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 50 through 58. This is the resurrection chapter. There's so much gold in this chapter. It's one of the longest chapters in the Bible, and we're not going to be talking about all the portions leading up to these verses where Paul says, "If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, our faith would be futile." And everything you're doing as as the name of a Christian would be completely in vain and worthless if it wasn't for Jesus' resurrection. So Paul's already been talking about all that. But we're going to skip ahead to verse 50, and I'll read to the end of the chapter. So please follow along with me. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. So first of all, you need to see that to do any of this, number one point today is you must see, to find your motivation, it has to come through Jesus. And that's our first point, number one. Find motivation through the love of Christ. That's verses 50 through 55. This is why we serve. We do it because of what He has done for us. We love Him because He first loved us. And this is just the natural outflow of worshiping Christ. You walk with Him, you see what He's done for you. Oh my goodness, I can't believe He showed me grace, He's given me mercy and you're just overwhelming with this sense of, I have to give back because I have been given so much. This passage says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you know what you contribute to your own salvation? What do you contribute to your own salvation? Is it work? Is it doing good works? No. You contribute sin, (laughs) Okay? You contribute the sin that makes you a sinner who needs salvation, and then God does all the rest of the work. God does the saving. So, perishable does not inherit imperishable. You don't go from a mortal human being to an immortal human being. We're all going to die. No one will live forever. But when you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you receive a relationship with Him and you receive the gift of eternal life. It's by grace. Through faith alone. It's not of works which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. This is very good news. It relieves all of the pressure. The dead will be raised imperishable. You are a dead person in your sin apart from Christ. But Jesus loved you. Jesus came to this earth to die for you. Jesus took your sin upon himself. He bled and died in an agonizing death on the cross for you. He took the death. He took the punishment that you deserve. And then Jesus, three days later, rose again. He rose again to newness of life. And, and he didn't he didn't, he didn't stay dead just to get this victory and now, yeah, he's accomplished victory and oh, too bad for us, we're still lost. No, he gives that gift of life to us. Death over victory has been won by Jesus Christ and he offers it to us as a free gift of salvation. If we say, I was going my own way apart from Jesus, I was living my life my way, seeking my own pleasure, seeking my own success, and I didn't want anything to do with the authority of my life, God, you say, I am sorry, God, for rebelling against you. I'm now turning my back on that, and I am turning to you. I give my life to you, and you find salvation. Anyone can do that at any time once you see that you're a sinner and you see that Jesus saves. That's the free gift of salvation. So Jesus defeated death. And there's verse 55 again. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? I heard this story once. I'm pretty sure it's a true story, but uh, um, it was just something I read. And it's been years ago, so I might not have all the details exactly right. But there was a old hardened slave right before the Civil War started who was on the slave block. And uh, there was a whole bunch of people there doing the unthinkable thing, inhumane, ridiculously savage, terrible thing of bidding on another human being to own that human being. And uh, as, this, as this man was on the slave block, he was clearly a very strong bursting with muscle kind of slave. He could get a lot of work done, all right? And so the bidding starts, gets pretty high, and then this slave starts shouting at the top of his lungs, I won't work! I won't work! Over and over again. A few people dropped out of the bid. Okay, like, well, I'm not going to mess with this guy because he could take me out and... uh, (laughs) Not going to be able. To, I don't want to try to force him to work. So they were just out of out of the bidding. But it still kept going higher and higher and higher. Eventually, someone finally won the auction. He's he's actually he. They had to actually tie him up, throw him in the wagon for this guy. Like good luck with that one. Um, don't get your head taken off with this slave. But but this guy is just the slave is defiant. Still shouting. I'm not going to work. So the guy who bought the slave gets out of town. And before he takes takes off whatever he had binding his hands, the man who purchased this, this other man says to him, I purchased you to give you your liberty. You don't have to work for me. I bought you to give you freedom. And that hardened slave who had been shouting, I won't work, I won't work, immediately broke down with tears. He was overwhelmed with the fact that this man who didn't even know him just spent a large sum of money to get him out of that slave block and give him freedom. As he's overwhelmed with that and tears are flowing, the slave, the former slave now, falls on his knees and says, you bought me to free me? I will now serve you. And the story goes that that man decided to pay that former slave a very fair wage, and he was a hired hand instead of a slave. That is a small picture of what Jesus did for us. Because before we knew Jesus, Jesus even said in John 8, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. You think, oh, well, I don't want to work for God. I don't want to do something for someone else because then I won't have any fun. My life will be taken over by, by this other authority, and I won't have the joy and the pleasure that I'm pursuing right now. That's a complete lie from Satan. What you don't always realize is that apart from Christ, you're, you're enslaved. If, if, it's not, if it's not serving with freedom like Jesus Christ, you're enslaved to something else. You're enslaved to lust. You're enslaved to make a buck at the almighty dollar. You're enslaved to being popular. You're always enslaved to something. And Jesus is the one who gives you freedom because he says, I died for you so that we can have a relationship. I have taken your sins away so that you can now speak freely with God. He gives freedom. He gives liberty. He conquered sin and death, and that's our Savior. Once you know God and you start to see how much he loves you, your love for him will grow, and you'll be ready to roll up your sleeves And do some things for God so other people can have and share what you have. This is when when your life with Christ starts to flourish is when you see that. Secondly, here's another truth that's found in this passage in the second half of these, these verses that we're looking at today. Number two, be steadfast and immovable, knowing that your labor is never in vain. Verses 56 through 58. We could never possibly do all that God calls us to do in our own strength. It's just not possible. And you can get a lot done in your own strength. Absolutely. A lot of people do a lot of amazing things in their own physical strength. There's a lot of people who train their bodies very hard. They discipline themselves, and they do amazing accomplishments in their own human strength. That's great. We're not talking about that, though. That's all earthly success. What we're talking about now is actually, a, on a deeper level, it's a supernatural level, it's the spiritual side of life. Because not everything that, that we live for is what we can handle and touch and see and feel. There's a whole spiritual dimension to life, and it's an entirely different ballgame. If you try to live the Christian life and work for God out of your own good will and good pleasure and own, your own good strength, you know what will happen? You will fail. 100 times out of 100 times, you will eventually cave, and you will be a complete failure at it. You may, may keep it up for a while. You may put on a good show for a year or two. But the best of the best if they're doing it in their own strength, they're not going to last much more than a decade or two. And we're talking the best of the best, the most talented people out there. If it's in your strength and you're doing it apart from the strength that God gives you, it will, be, it will turn into a do-good religious performance. And that never ends well. Without fail, you will burn out, and usually you will become bitter. Either or both ends sometimes. I actually uh, was thinking about this, and something that happened to me at a very influential stage of my my life was, um, well, it, it actually started with high, at high school. So for those of you who know, my sister Becca and I, we moved. Uh, our, the summer before my senior year of high school, we moved to this new school in Danville, Illinois. And it was a lot different moving from Sterling, Illinois to Danville, Illinois, because Danville didn't have football, Danville had soccer. And I was just into basketball, I just wanted to like play basketball, that's all I did. And I look at this this new Christian school that we're going to, making new friends, and everybody's everybody's like, oh you gotta play soccer. I was like, all right, sure, I'll play just so I can get in shape for basketball season. Mm -hmm. And little did I know, they started soccer season in like July 1st, and the coach wasn't there, but the assistant guy was there, and it was soccer training, which was really just like boot camp. This guy had literally, this guy had came straight from the army, and he was there that summer uh, to just get the soccer players in shape. And we just ran for three hours every day. That's what we did. Uh, did some push ups and some junking jo- checks and just ran sprints three hours every night. It was great all July. And then soccer started, and they're like, okay, we have a ball now, this is fun. But the guy who led those drills came from the army and he talked a big talk. He was like so spiritual. It's like, look at this guy. He's always talking about Paul and he's talking about this verse he read. He's talking about this and that and he's praying with us. And, and this was pretty new to me. I had never really seen that type of person that dedicated to God. I was like, wow, this guy really, really knows his stuff. Well, soccer season started. That guy didn't do a whole, whole, whole bunch more the rest of the season. That was really just that summer that I had a, I had a relationship with him. And then I finished my senior year, uh, went, to, went to college, changed my declared major. I was, I was going to go into the ministry. And I came back the next summer. So this is actually two summers then because I came back after my, my freshman year of college. And I run into this guy. The same guy who was was the assistant soccer coach. And this guy just laid into me. Oh, you're going to be a Bible preacher, huh? And he just started making fun of Christianity. And he's like, he said all these things like, Bible's not true. He he was going on and on and on. It was like a completely different guy. I was like, what's happened here? And I started talking with him a little bit. He did everything in his own strength that he could do. He got so on, like, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read three chapters every day. Like, he did so many things in his own strength. He tried to live the Christian life on his own without ever knowing God. And it was a complete performance. It was all work for him, and he crashed and burned. And he got very bitter about it because he could never do it. Like Paul said in Romans 7, we actually read that chapter today. We heard from it. Paul, Paul, the Apostle Paul even says, the good things that I want to do, I can't always do. I keep doing the wrong thing even though I want to do the right thing. I have this thing called the flesh, and I need the Holy Spirit to fill me and to change me. You cannot be a quote-unquote good Christian by rolling up your sleeves and saying all the right things and dotting your I's and crossing your T's. It will never work. And there's a lot of people who grow up in the church or they experience some amazing thing and they come into the church and they've never actually truly repented of their sin and realized, wow, I am a sinner. I need a savior. They never had that true conversion and the whole thing is, oh, this feels good. This makes me me look great. Oh, this must be a thing. It's good morals. Oh, this, is, this will help my kids. And so they jump into this whole side of faith, and it's a performance, and it's work, and it's duty, and it's a grind. No wonder they fizzle out and say adios to the whole church and say goodbye. So we're in this series on the church, and we're getting down to the DNA of who we are, why we do what we do, and this is so crucial for us to understand. When we talk about working through Christ, it's an overflow of our love because he saved us, and then he fills us with his strength. He empowers us to do all these things that we could have never done on our own, but it's not labor. It's, it's not this grind anymore because it's it's what God has called us to do. And it's what he's gifted us to do. And he's actually provided us a way for us to do it. Look at verse 58 again with me. This is a very basic sermon this week. We're covering some very, very simple truths, even though they're very profound. But I want to point out to you the most theological piece in this entire entire passage. Verse 58, read it with me again. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. I know some of us love that steadfast, immovable piece. Yeah, yeah, I want to be steadfast. I want to be immovable. I can't wait. Uh, this, is, this is great, David. I'm all in. And then you, you keep going. It's like, always abounding in the work of the Lord? Like, there's never time for a break? Ever? Oh, my I'm a little, a little nervous about that. It sounds kind of exhausting. I want to break sometimes. The in the Lord piece is the theologically profound piece. That, I mean, people have written books on this. We could preach a whole other sermon on this. But it just simply means that I'm going to do this as I walk in the Spirit. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to lead and guide me. I'm not doing it by gritting my teeth and making it happen and doing it perfectly. No, you're filled with the Spirit. You're open to the doors that he's he's opening for you, and you're letting him lead you, and you're doing it out of the strength that he provides and the gifts that he has given you. Too many churches run their pastors ragged with a schedule that's just no one can keep that pace, right? Right? Too many pastors don't lead their church well by saying no to things, and they run their people ragged with every other program under the sun. You see that, right? Yes. Maybe some of us have experienced that in the past. Like, I have. That's not who this church is. We believe that we don't have to plan 1,001 different extra church ministries, but that we keep it simple. We gather on Sunday to worship Jesus Christ. We have a life group. We have other opportunities for you to get invested and get to have community with other people. And then we get out of the way. And you know what? We let the Lord lead and guide you with the gifts that He has given you to do all these other various ministries. You can have a Bible study. You can have a, you can have a motorcycle ministry. You can have a prison ministry. You can do all these different things. We have our our life groups. You know, every month, each life group goes out into the community and does something specific with the gospel reaching people who aren't inside of our church. Like you wouldn't have time to do all of those things if we had program after program after program. Those don't have to all be under the funnel of the church. We can give you the freedom to do those things. And that's what we've tried to accomplish with our church. Knowing that in the Lord your neighbor is your labor is not in vain. So you must serve in Christ. We don't have to solve every problem. At the end of the day, you can't make every detail perfect because we're dealing with humans, and the second humans are involved, somebody's going to make a mistake somewhere, right? So don't stress yourself out over that. We're always working through Christ and in Christ, and and you have to just realize that you were in him. This releases so much pressure. It's Christ's church, and he has promised to build his church. And we get a front row seat to enjoy the ride. Of course, we're, we're, we're on board with it, and we're doing things, right? But it's in him and through him and for him. And as you worship and walk, your overflow is, all right, I'm ready to serve now. I'm ready to use the gift that God has given me. Now, I've noticed over the years There's a few general categories that people can fall into, and I'm going to go through these really fast. I want to say, uh, don't quote me in any of these names, because I just made these up pretty fast on the fly. Um, I'm going to give you a name for each person, and then we're going to discuss each person, all right? But these are your general categories. The first is the carefree casual, all right? I'm not trying to offend anyone here. That's not my goal with any of these. But the carefree casual is, all right, God's got this. Who am I? I'm not that important. I have this going on. I have that going on. I don't have time to serve others right now. All right? I got to focus on what God has in front of me right here. And that's it. So the carefree casual isn't super invested in other people. They're not thinking about what God has done for them and how I can actually share that with someone else. They're just about what can I get out of this church? What's in it for me? Those people never last either. They never last. Next, you have the overqualified coffee shop theologian. I know that's a mouthful. Um, But even theological powerhouses who, who talk a lot about Jesus... They have this very bad tendency, and it's, it's a warning. It's, it's, it's great to know theology. It's, it's, I, lo- I love theology, absolutely. But you can fall into this trap where you're talking about Jesus in the coffee shop all the time. You're debating with other Christians, and you've, you're missing it. You're, you're not getting out there and sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people. You're not using your spiritual gifts to actually build people up, right? right. You see that? You get so busy with everything else, you think you're beyond rolling up your sleeves and serving someone else in love. Something to watch out for. Next category is the gung-ho try-hard. The gung-ho try-hard, I I know I might be a little harsh with my names here. I told you, don't, just forget these names (laughs) later on. But this person serves like it's all up to them. I got to fix every problem. I gotta swoop in here. I have this salvation complex where I have to solve this person's problem and this person's problem and this person's problem. And oh no, that detail cannot be off. We have to do it perfect. Right. As good as these people are, and honestly, they're not really tryhards, because these people are usually very, very talented, and they usually can swim circles around everyone else. But these people get frustrated because we're dealing with something supernatural, okay? And I know you're really, really talented in the physical world, and you can do all these things in the physical world, but we're not dealing with the physical anymore. We're talking about something that is way beyond us. Talking about serving Christ in the spiritual sense. So uh, sometimes this person can also just have, you know, they're that too. They're a helper, and they just want to people please. <laughs> that's their, that's their, their vice. They can fall into that. And their idol is they, they can want to just be that for everyone. You can't, you can't miss the point that you must do it in Christ. And that means that he's going to use a whole church full of people. And, and he's going he's gonna to actually work in that person when that person goes through a, through a valley Too. And sometimes you can't just like, you know, tackle them off the path before because that's part of God's plan for that person is, is to actually go through that rough patch. You can warn them, but you can't always force them not to make those decisions. Next is the deceived poser. This is the type of person that I talked about with my illustration earlier. Again, no offense, but this person is lost, they're deceived. They're in darkness. They don't see the light. They don't realize that they don't actually have salvation. They have works-based, feel-good, therapeutic deism, whatever you want to call it. They they don't have the rest and the peace and the joy that is found in giving your life over to Jesus Christ. And that always creates bitter and burned-out people. The last one is the intentional worshiper. This is the person who gets it. It doesn't all depend on me. I'm just blown away that God chose me, that God reached down and he saved me, and he's filled me with his spirit, and he's given me all these spiritual gifts. Who am I to receive this? I don't deserve this. I don't belong here. But he has called me by name. And he is making you someone who was perishable to someone who will be imperishable. You're, you were a mortal who was going to die, and now you're still going to die, but you're going to live in eternity with your creator. It's impossible to have this victory and to be immovable and steadfast without being in Christ. And that is because we're talking about spiritual warfare at the end of the day. Our enemies are not flesh and blood. There are spiritual forces and cosmic powers that are in rebellion against God, that are deceiving and blinding people. Satan is the prince and the power of this air. And this is that's way too much for any one person just to, to take a stand against. You will cave. But the intentional worshipper in this spiritual warfare battle that we're in, can become a spiritual super soldier. I know not all of you want to be a super soldier. Some of us do, some of us don't. Like, some of us are like, oh, I'd rather just relax and go on vacation. Some of us are like, yeah, I do. I want to get on those fatigues and get out there and, and crash the enemy. But here's the thing. When you work through Christ, even a very simple task, like being on the welcome team, and smiling, and showing someone friendliness. You're welcoming someone as God has welcomed you. That's a big deal. Serving in the nursery may not sound like a big deal, right? For some of us, it would be way too much, and we would never even touch it. But for some of us, like, oh, I love babies. It sounds fun. That's the whole point. God is going to use you through the gifts that he has given you. And we're a church that is, that is purposeful on finding what your gifts are. We don't want to put the guy who should be fixing the car and working on the engine, who's crusty and has oil and grease all over his hands. You don't put him out in the front of the car shop to sell the cars, right? He fixes the cars. Everybody has to find their proper role. And you do that as the church identifies your spiritual gifts. But you don't have, my point here is you don't have to be a spiritual giant to work through Christ. You don't have to be that person that, oh, they quote all these Bible verses and they know so many answers. You don't have to be that person yet to simply say, I'm going to be a spiritual super soldier. You know how I can do that? God loves me. He died for me. He saved me. And now he's given me a a voice. And I have something to share. So Christianity can get very skewed And I think this comes from like our American culture sometimes where we think to be great and to really make a difference, I have to be famous or I have to have this incredible talent. That's not what we're talking about at all. It's it's never how God works. He always takes ordinary people and he gives them something. And you know, the way this happens is he gives you a small task and if you prove to be faithful in that, what does he promise to do? Yes, you faithful in little, you'll be also faithful in much. So he gives you something else. He gives you, and then he gives you, and you're faithful in that, and he gives you something else. And he just keeps giving you opportunity after opportunity. And when you faithfully obey him, before you know it, you turn around, you're like, wow, I'm actually having an influence in all these other different people. And God's using me in this church, which is his body, his hands and feet in this world. We can all do this. Amen. So there's four ways you can check yourself to see if you are an intentional worshiper when it comes to working through Christ. I'm going to fly through this. Uh, serve in truth. You have, to, you have to know the truth from God's word. And, and we have, you know, Romans, Romans talks about this. Matthew talks about this. Faithful to do the will of God. This isn't our, our choice. And then we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. That's that's his truth. He sets the agenda. Number number two, serve in love. This one obviously goes without saying. We just went through 1 John 4. If you don't have love, you're not a Christian, okay? You can do a lot of good things. You You can know truth, and you can bash people over the head with it. And if love isn't there, that's a really, really big problem. Don't serve if you're not doing it out of love, if you're not doing it out of the overflow of love. You have served in humility, and you have served with joy. You look at all of these, these four. We see all four of these in guess who? Jesus Christ. He didn't just set the example with his life. He actually gave his life. And he actually changes us in these four areas. Jesus was truth incarnate when he came into this world. Everything Jesus did was done out of love. Even when he came down and he condemned people who were wicked and wrong, he did it out of love. Philippians 2, Jesus humbled himself and became a man. He is fully God and he became fully man. He came down to this dirty, sin-cursed world for you and me. We have a God who didn't stay in the ivory tower. He came down here with all the guts and dirt of this earth to sacrifice himself. And there's also joy that Jesus had that is is unmatched. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. I just want you to look to Jesus, fall down in worship, look to him, and, and just allow him to put his arm around your shoulder as you walk in your life with him. It's not a sprint. It's, not a, it's nothing like that. It's, it's a walk, and it's a, in a pasture, John 10, that he gives us. Look to him and serve him. We serve him out of the overflow of our love. And that's how we work through him. But let's close our service like we always do with our verse of the year, Romans chapter 12. Let's say it together. Romans 12, 9 through 13. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good.